America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And what a great week it is. Uh, you can already feel it. The focus of the country is turning now seriously to the presidential election of 2024. Now, part of the reason for that is because President Trump gave one of his... It's not necessarily one of his greatest speeches, but it certainly was one of his longest speeches. He spoke for an hour and 42 minutes. I mean, really, that's, that's a long speech. And this at the CPAC convention where uh, the other candidates for president who spoke, uh, Mike Pompeo and Nikki Haley, and plus all the other dignitaries who they had speaking there, probably the most unhinged speech uh, was given by Matt Gates, who uh, was screaming for the abolition of the FBI and the CIA and the ATC which I think is air traffic controllers. I don't even know what he wants to abolish when he calls for abolishing the ATC. In any event, President Trump promised that for people who have suffered, he will be their retribution. And what does that mean exactly? We'll play you some highlights uh, of President Trump's speech, which has focused the upcoming presidential election because there was a speech by his most significant opponent right now, whose most significant opponent right now is not Joe Biden, because Joe Biden, as long as Joe Biden's health remains okay, and as long as he uh, uh, continues to remain uncommitted about whether he's running or not. He is not uncommitted. He went to Alabama, to Selma, Alabama over the weekend and gave a speech that sounded very much like a campaign speech as he has been doing. The The basic point is the Democrats appear to have no significant opposition to Joe Biden. The Republican race is going to most likely evolve into a DeSantis and Trump uh, duel. Uh, Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, who has been all eight years he was governor of Maryland. He was one of the most popular governors in the country. He won handy re-election in a state that is overwhelmingly Democratic. He's a, a solid conservative Republican. He had been talking about running for president. He took himself out of the race. He uh, explained that right now the basic idea was to avoid a repeat of 2016 and 2016. Remember, people looked at the array of Republican candidates who were so very promising. There was Marco Rubio. There was Chris Christie. There was Ben Carson. Uh, there was Ted Cruz, who stayed in the race. There was John Kasich. There are all these candidates, each of whom had their own following, and each of whom got a few votes at one point or another. Ted Cruz even won. You may remember the Iowa caucuses. But the point was that they couldn't compete with the celebrity TV star, from reality TV and the very well-known celebrity, the boisterous billionaire, as he was known, uh, Donald J. Trump. And Trump won primary after primary 
with uh, 35, sometimes less, percent of the vote. Because in Republican rules, you don't need to win a majority. To win a majority of the delegates in a given state, you can win that majority. You can win the majority of the delegates in a given state, and some states, all of the delegates, uh, just by having a plurality. Now, that's still the rules for the Republicans, and it could very uh, well put an end to the candidacies of people like, well, Nikki Haley, who is the only major announced candidate right now against uh, Donald J. Trump. She uh, got 20 percent in the straw poll at CPAC. Trump got 62 percent. A number of people have said uh, repeatedly that the uh, CPAC gathering should have been known as TPAC for Trump PAC not a conservative political action committee. There are a couple of issues that have come up that that really need discussion because there's confusion about them. One is the idea that you, I'm sure, have heard President Trump, and he's repeated it several times, if he does not win the nomination for president, he may run anyway as a third-party candidate or an independent candidate. But... Uh, there is now a great deal of discussion, it's made it onto cable TV, about the sore loser laws. Did you know about the sore loser laws? The sore loser laws stipulate that in uh, many states, they don't want you to run for the nomination of one of the major parties, then lose, and... Uh, and, and then you would not, if you run for a major party nomination and you don't win that nomination, you're a loser in the primaries, uh, then you can't have your name on the ballot as an independent. Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Texas, as well as Arkansas and Alabama, have laws that bar a candidate defeated in a major party primary from running as an independent or a third-party ticket in the general election. Now, that's happened in American history, and it's had devastating results, and uh, it's, it's also had one very beneficial result. The beneficial result was in 1980. There was a guy, a congressman from Illinois named John Anderson, who was a moderate Republican who uh, ran in the primaries against Reagan, and he didn't get much traction. He won a, f a few votes. He was not well-known. He had the most bland name. I mean, not, nothing against Andersons. Uh, I mean, uh, Carmen, my, uh, my <laughs> longtime assistant, used to be Anderson before she became Friswald because of her wonderful husband, Eric. But in any event... The uh, idea that uh, John Anderson uh, then ran as a third-party candidate and turned a very close race between Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter back in uh, 1980 into a Reagan landslide. Why? Because John Anderson running uh, together, he had a Patrick Lucy, was the Democratic governor of Wisconsin, who ran together with the former Republican John Anderson. Now, why did that take votes away from Carter? Because John Anderson was running as a more liberal Republican, and, uh, and, and 
uh, Reagan, uh, who only got 50% of, uh, 51% actually, of the popular vote, won an electoral landslide because of John Anderson's factor there. And the other example is the example of Theodore Roosevelt, who ran in primaries. Primaries had just been invented, had just been become part of the country in, 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 in 2012. And he actually won most of the Republican parties, but the nomination was still controlled by the party bosses at those times, at that time, the party establishment. So at the convention... Roosevelt narrowly lost the nomination to the incumbent Republican President Taft. Then he came back to Chicago two weeks later. He had his own convention. He organized his own party, the Progressive Party, the so-called Bull Moose Party. He got 27% of the vote and put Woodrow Wilson in the White House at a time when the United States was overwhelmingly Republican. Now, what does that mean for President Trump? Well, first of all, He's got to look at that because if you listen to these states, it's Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Texas, as well as Arkansas and Alabama, two smaller states. But you're talking about 91 electoral votes. And if Trump can't even be on the ballot as a third-party candidate, he can't possibly win. So where do we go from here? And what about the bots that are now pushing for a Trump-DeSantis ticket? We will get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. Your outlet for outrage. It is outrageous what you are saying. The Michael Medved Show. This is outrageous. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, we will play some segments from President Trump's uh, very long address. I mean, it's an hour and 42 minute address. That's um, even by Trumpian standards. It, uh, and without and this without a a huge crowd, there were actually empty seats for President Trump's concluding address at uh, the CPAC at the Conservative Political Action Committee. Congress, and he was going head-to-head with um, the Ron DeSantis speech at the Reagan Library. Now, as you know, because I've talked about it a lot, I, I've spoken five times at the Reagan Library. It's been my, my great honor to do so. I uh, kicked off my books, both uh, the American Miracle and God's Hand on America, my most recent book, were kicked off by wonderful gatherings at the Reagan Library. But uh, they had a completely packed house. They had about 1,300 attendees, uh, including former California Governor Pete Wilson, who ran his own presidential campaign once upon a time. Uh, that Pete Wilson, distinguished conservative Republican governor, of uh, California, and uh, again, a former uh, United States senator as well. But he was there, and uh, so was Gary Sinise, one of the Hollywood movie stars, of course, who has been most noted for supporting conservatives and conservative causes. This is a part of uh, what um, 
what DeSantis had to say speaking at the Reagan Library. And it's one of those things that up there when you look at the podium and you can watch DeSantis, it looks like a presidential podium. Uh, this is somebody who's speaking beyond his role as governor of Florida. Uh, first off, here are uh, some of the uh, uh, highlights put together, a montage of uh, some of what uh, Governor DeSantis had to say. Listen, clip one. Hello, California. I know you guys got a lot of problems out here, but your governor's very concerned about what we're doing in Florida, so I figured I had to come by. And I believe parents in the state of Florida should be able to send their kids to elementary school without having an agenda jammed down their throats. They should not be teaching a second grader that they can choose their gender. That is wrong, and that is not going to happen in the state of Florida. And I know you have a company down the road in Burbank that had different ideas about that, but I can tell you this, Disney may have gotten everything they wanted in Florida for the last 60 years, but there's a new sheriff in town now, and we are not backing down to that. Uh, okay, uh, and you'll see, the, you can hear the uh, applause of the crowd. Uh, he also uh, delivered a, uh, a slight jab at Gavin Newsom, who apparently is vacationing in Baja, California, <laughs> California is not big enough for him. And but having just uh, vacationed uh, to some extent in the Mexican state of Guerrero and uh, Zihuatanejo, uh, we uh, have we have no reason to complain. But uh, Ron DeSantis can take take a listen. This is clip A. We are also working to reorient higher education towards those goals that I had mentioned. And to do that, we've already enacted reforms so that all tenured professors in the state of Florida must undergo review every five years and can be let go for poor performance. We will also be signing legislation uh, during our legislative session uh, to ensure that our universities operate in a colorblind fashion. And accordingly, we will be eliminating all DEI bureaucracies and programs. No more discrimination. So in Florida, we say very clearly, uh, we will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Our state is where woke goes to die. Uh, our state is where woke goes to die. Uh, that certainly is a... Uh can be a, a popular slogan among most Republicans. Uh, uh, look, the idea is that there are a lot of people who see that, and they can understand that uh, there is a vigor and an activism that inspires Governor DeSantis, and I think that this might have something to do with um, this flood of uh, bots that have been identified uh, concerning uh, hundreds of thousands of fake accounts. And those hundreds of thousands of fake accounts have, for one thing, um, attacked DeSantis, saying he should wait his turn. It's not his turn to run for president. Uh, people are saying in these bots that uh, they want to support Trump. But there's also a whole cluster of these bots identified by an Israeli corporation uh, called uh, Siabra, 
the AP story, over the last 11 months, someone created thousands of fake automated Twitter accounts, perhaps hundreds of thousands of them, to offer a stream of praise for Donald Trump. Uh-huh. Besides uh, posting adoring words about the former president, the fake accounts ridiculed Trump's critics from both parties and attacked Nikki Haley in particular, the former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador who was challenging her one-time boss for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. When it came to Ron DeSantis, the bots aggressively suggested that the Florida governor couldn't beat Trump, but he would be a great running mate. Now, this is fascinating because if you know enough, if you're sophisticated enough to establish all these bots and to put that suggestion out there, one thing you would need to know about Trump running together with Ron DeSantis is that not based on any sore loser law, but based on the United States Constitution, the 12th Amendment. It says that if two people are running for president and vice president and they are running together on the same ticket uh, and they both live, they both are inhabitants is the term the Constitution uses of the same state, they uh, can't get the electoral votes of that state. The idea when they were doing the 12th Amendment, this was to repair part of what had gone wrong with the election of 1800, was in 1804, was that they thought that if you had two people from Virginia who both were representing Virginia, it would be too much of an advantage, and therefore Virginia's electoral votes, and in this case Florida's electoral votes. So what would have to happen? I mean... Uh, DeSantis can't very well continue as governor of Florida and pretend he's not an inhabitant of Florida. Trump could. But would he? Would Trump really, to get DeSantis on the ticket with him, would he go ahead and say, okay, I'm moving back to Trump Tower and I'm going to get a New York driver's license and I'm going to re-register to vote in New York State? Would he do that just in order to get... DeSantis on the ticket with him? You think that's a good idea? You can give us a call. 1-800-955. And on the uh, Michael Medved show, the... uh, Further story from Associated Press, which is kind of amazing, uh, indicates that uh, this Israeli company, Siabra, uh, their researchers examined negative posts about specific Trump critics. However, they found far higher levels of inauthenticity. Nearly three-fourths of the negative posts about Nikki Haley, for example, were traced back to fake accounts. And what they say is that on Twitter, generally about 5% of all political accounts are fake accounts. But like in Nikki Haley's case, 75% of the attacks on her have been from these bots. And apparently they've been using AI to set these accounts up and to turn them loose. The um, network also 
helped to popularize a call for DeSantis to join Trump as his vice presidential running mate, an outcome that would serve Trump well and allow him to avoid a potentially bitter matchup if DeSantis enters the race. Uh, If you just listen to DeSantis at the Reagan Library, uh, this is not a guy who would fit well as vice president. (laughs) I mean, he's just not. Why? He's an activist. He's an activist governor, for goodness sake. There's there's no governor in the country. If you hate him or you love him, uh, DeSantis is a more energetic and ambitious uh, governor than any of the other 49. He just is. And the the job of vice president, look at Kamala Harris. And, and yes, she is uniquely pathetic, but... All vice presidents end up looking uh, basically pathetic. You live in the Naval Observatory. You get blamed if you do something wrong, if you go off and give a speech and it's mediocre or you say something stupid or you go off and make the wrong gesture at the funeral of some foreign dignitary that you're trying to honor. Uh, It's very, very hard to imagine uh, Ron DeSantis saying, okay, I'm going to give up. Uh, two full years that I was elected to serve the people of Florida uh, just to be vice president. To run for president, it's a different story. And you could say that, well, the fact is that if he did run with Trump and he got to be vice president and they got elected, if Trump somehow went through the trouble of changing his habitation so that he said, no, I'm not going to be living in Mar-a-Lago anymore. I'm going to be living in uh, in Trump Tower. See, let me just give you a little bit of background on this because it's such a strange thing and most people don't know about it. The Associated Press clearly doesn't know about it because they don't even mention it. They uh, talk about uh, it would uh, serve Trump well to uh, have DeSantis as his running mate. Okay. If that happened, then Trump would have to change his place of residence. Now, this happened before in the year 2000 because Dick Cheney, who was the running mate of George W. Bush, and I know those are names that are reviled at the current CPAC, but they're both lifelong Republicans, and Dick Cheney was a 10-term congressman and secretary of defense for the first President Bush, and he he was a chief of staff in the White House for President Ford. But in any event, Dick Cheney, though he grew up in Wyoming and his political career was entirely Wyoming, at the time he was nominated for vice president, he was living in, uh, in Texas. And... And so was George W. Bush. So how could they be on the same ballot? Well, Cheney actually put his house up for sale because he needed to. He had a home in Dallas, which he put up for sale. He and Lynn uh, put up for sale. And he he also changed his voter registration and um, began paying state taxes again in Wyoming and shifted, changed his habitation so they could win Texas's electoral votes. If Cheney hadn't done that change, uh, 
they wouldn't have been eligible to get the 25 electoral votes of Texas, given the fact that uh, George W. Bush won that election uh, by a margin of only five electoral votes, it, it would have basically handed the election to Al Gore. And uh, certainly President Trump is not even going to consider handing the election to Joe Biden because Joe Biden is almost certainly going to be the Democratic nominee. And concerning that, what's extraordinary to me is that right now with all of this attention and ferocity on the Republican side of things about who is going to be the nominee, it's just incredible that nobody is standing up to challenge Joe Biden. I know, Marianne Williamson. Uh, and she gave a, a speech at a train station, at Union Station, to announce her candidacy formally. But Marianne Williamson, even though I know she, they're highlighting her as Oprah's former guru. Now, if she were Oprah's present guru, maybe she could get Oprah to do some events for her or something. But she is not a major challenger to uh, President Biden. And with all of that going on, it does look like it's going to be Biden and Harris. And right now, with the state of the uh, Republican race coming to a, a, a very serious level, where uh, Ron DeSantis has been a wizard at fundraising. He has uh, tens of millions of dollars left over from his last gubernatorial campaign, which he won by 20 points. Anyone who doesn't see DeSantis as a serious challenger to Trump is not paying attention. And then there's the old guy who would be 82 at the time that he is inaugurated for a second term if he wins it. He went to the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama to celebrate the anniversary in 1965 of the Voting Rights March where Dr. King and the marchers were attacked by police officers brutally in what became known as Bloody Sunday. Here was what uh, President Biden had to say about that and its legacy and meaning for us today. Uh, listen, clip 21. And this fundamental right remains under assault. The conservative Supreme Court has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. Since the 2020 election, a wave of states and dozens, dozens of anti-voting laws fueled by the big lie and the election deniers. We know that we must get the votes in Congress <coughs> to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. John Lewis, of course, was one of those people who was there at the Edmund Pettus Bridge and was wounded uh, by some of the police brutality there. But uh, really, uh, this didn't work for Stacey Abrams. Uh, it, it fortunately doesn't need to work because the idea of a threat to the right to vote is absurd at a time. And, and this is one of the problems with the Republican focus on voting and voting fraud and we have record turnouts, and it's all across the board. People are voting because they 
care about politics. It's not because they're so enthusiastic about Joe Biden. It's not because they're so enthusiastic about Donald Trump. Some are. But it's because there is such a loathing for the other guy. So what about Bernie Sanders? Why isn't he running this time? Is he tired of it or just too darn old? We'll talk about it coming up on The Med Show. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, it still is months away from the first uh, caucuses, uh, first primaries. And I say both primaries and caucuses because on the Democratic side, uh, the South Carolina primary is going to be the first, uh, first place that Democrats vote. But for Republicans, apparently, unless something changes through the Iowa legislature and the Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds, who are all solidly Republican, unless the Republicans change it, uh, Iowa is going to continue with its first-in-the-nation caucus. But that's uh, still, we're talking about, what, nine months away. It's It's a ways. So other things could happen on the Democratic side. I I can't believe that there isn't some ambitious lefty. Uh, probably somebody like uh, Bernie Sanders, but younger. <laughs> but and that's pretty most people. Uh, Bernie's, you know, he had his shot. He he ran uh, against Hillary and did not get the nomination. And he ran against Joe Biden and did not get the nomination, but he has his following. And people say that if you look at the Republican Party and you look at the Democratic Party, uh, Trump has about the same percentage of support, solid support. I mean, people who really believe in him that Bernie has on the Democratic side. The difference is that uh, a Trump when he was running for president, got to run against six or seven different serious candidates, and and some of whom became his cabinet members. You remember uh, Rick Perry, the governor of Texas, was at one point considered a real front-runner for the Republican nomination, and uh, and he basically spoke against Trump, said he was a cancer on conservatism. Remember that? He gave a very harsh speech against President Trump, and uh, then he dropped out of the race and became a member of Trump's cabinet as Secretary of Energy. What's Rick Perry doing now? I don't know. But he is not a candidate for the presidency. It seems to me it is likely that there will be some at least symbolic left-wing candidate. It could even be Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That could happen, uh, where she would come forward, get a lot of attention. But Joe Biden is almost surely going to be the nominee, and which is one of the reasons that no Democrat has stepped forward other than Marianne Williamson. But Bernie Sanders did step forward to debate with Bill Maher. And uh, it's actually good for Bill Maher on asking Bernie some tough questions that he 
almost totally refused to answer. Uh, listen, this is clip three. Are we confusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity and outcomes? Okay, that's interesting because I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years, and before that we didn't hear it a lot. And I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality. That like, it's the same word, and it's not the same word in the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about... Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think, I think so. I think that's okay. Fine. So which, do you come, which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, I, again, it's kind of shocking that that Bernie Sanders, who talks about the concept of equality all the time, at uh, it, it first uh, blush had no ability to uh, to actually differentiate, and and they're very different. I mean, equality is an American principle, and it's something. Certainly since the Jackson era, the Jacksonian era in the 1830s, uh, people have been very concerned about equal rights for Americans, uh, equal opportunities to get ahead and to advance and to enjoy the blessings of liberty. But the... Um, and by the way, I'm not saying that America was perfect in that regard. It took a civil war and it took lots of reforms. And yes, women didn't get the right to vote formally until 1920 all across the country. Anyway, the the point about this is there was another exchange with Bill Maher and Bernie Sanders where Bill Maher asked him about a question about forgiving college debt which, of course, has been something that Bernie has been really screaming and shouting and caring deeply about. And uh, basically, uh, Bill asked him about a poll that showed that what most uh, young people said they would do if their debt was confirmed would be to spend it on vacations and uh, booze and uh, enjoying themselves. And, uh, and and this is for people who had borrowed money to either graduate or not to graduate from college, what they would do with the extra money that they would have if they weren't paying off their debts. And, and by the way, and that's another problem we have, which is all of the people who are defaulting on their debts, uh, plus, of course, the problem that we as a country may be defaulting on our debts if they don't do something to deal with the debt ceiling. In any event... Uh, the response of uh, Bernie Sanders was, well, I don't believe the poll. I don't believe the poll. And the exhaustion of the American left, the fact that people like Elizabeth Warren, she is running for re-election for the U.S. Senate. Her Senate seat is up. She's not running for president. And any of the other sort of celebrities or stars of the left or rising stars of the left, people like Cory Booker. Uh, no, he's not running against Biden. Uh, nobody seems ready to challenge him. 
And in fact, uh, when people look over at something like CPAC and they hear President Trump's hour and 42 minute speech at CPAC, there is a sense that the Biden strategy from last time, which is basically let the other guy have all the attention. And the more attention that we give to President Trump, uh, the more easy it would be for Biden to prevail. And this, unfortunately, is a very negative thing in American politics. And one of the questions for Ron DeSantis, if he's going to be the guy, or whoever else will make a serious challenge to Trump, uh, one of the questions has to be, how do you actually persuade the American people that you're talking about a, a doable changes in this country that can do more than just um, decry the other side or go after the other side or make fun of the other side or discredit the other side? The, the idea that Republicans are putting such a, a focus right now on investigations, uh, looking for proofs of the Biden crime syndicate and trying to make Hunter Biden the center of the upcoming election. Hunter Biden will be part of it, and I'm sure, and I am not at all confident that the administration will handle it well. But uh, ultimately, people are going to be making a choice uh, and, and have to suggest that where we would be going under Republican leadership would actually address the concerns of real Americans. And by the way, we'll talk about it, but I think if you actually read – uh, there's a, a great deal of democratic hysteria about these education bills that are put making their way through the Florida legislature, uh, many of which are supported by Ron DeSantis. And the truth is they're not so outrageous. As DeSantis said at the Reagan Library, it's not an outrageous thought to think that we don't want our second graders to be questioning their gender identity. Or to learn in second grade that, gee, I have to make a decision whether I'm really a girl or really a boy. Uh, there's another wonderful development that we are celebrating the anniversary of. And it's one that most people don't even recognize. We'll get to that mystery, the secret Trump blueprint for victory, and much more in this greatest nation on God's green earth. 